Yes. Uh, so, yeah, the reading tonight comes from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 6. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to the Cephas, yeah, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask that the words of the man mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. And that everything you want to say will be said and will be heard and will be received. And everything that I want to say, which actually isn't what you want to say, will just fall away and be irrelevant. Amen. Brilliant. It is so good to be with you tonight. Um, as I said earlier, I'm very new here, and so if you don't know me, that's why, and I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. But tonight, before any of that, I would love to talk to you about hope. Before that, I would love to put a timer on my phone so I know how long I've been preaching for. I would love to talk to you about hope. When I was a child, there were two things which I loved more than anything else. Firstly, and this may not surprise any of you who have met me so far, I loved Star Wars. The, we had the original Star Wars trilogy on VHS, which will give you some idea of how old I am. Um, and I must have watched that tens, if not hundreds of times as I grew up. I loved the films, I loved the characters, I loved the toys that came from Star Wars, I loved everything to do with them. The second thing I loved was Lego. I loved everything about Lego. I loved building it, I loved displaying it, I loved playing with it, I loved taking it apart and building it into something completely new and different. I loved letting my imagination just run wild with it. And many happy hours of my childhood were spent on my bedroom floor surrounded by an absolute chaos of Lego bricks, building them into something new that I dreamed up and probably destroying everything else in the process. So. Imagine my excitement when I discovered that the two things I loved most as a child had come together into one thing. <laughs> For anybody not aware, uh, Lego does a Lego Star Wars line, and my goodness, was it the best thing ever when I was a child. And honestly, I'm an adult too, but let's not get into that. For my 11th birthday, there was only one thing which I wanted. The Lego Star Wars spaceship, the Millennium Falcon. You've seen the films, it's, it's iconic, all that. I'm not going to bore you. Anyway, now it's, uh, it might be an understatement to say that this was quite a big toy set. Um, and it was definitely beyond what I could expect to receive for a birthday or a Christmas or anything like that. But somehow, I convinced my parents 
stifling, like those joints start staying gripped. Does anybody else do that as a child? You know, you know it's too big to get for a birthday or a Christmas, but you really, really think you can have it. But you try really hard to convince your parents, and eventually they give in. I the real question is, do you get it at your birthday or do you get it at Christmas? Do you get it first or later? Well, in my, in my house, it was definitely later. So there was, a, there was about four months between my birthday and then Christmas. And so for those four months, I lived in hope of what I was going to receive. I knew what it was, I knew when it was coming, I knew everything about it, but I had to live in hope of what was coming. And after months, which felt like years for little me, I'm sure, the day finally arrived, and it was everything I could have hoped for. It took me two whole days to build it, and at the end of those two days, I took a step back and took it all in. All of my hopes had been fulfilled, and it was the happiest I'd ever been. I'm sure that's how it went. Honestly, I can't remember quite that far back with particular clarity, but I'm sure it was something like that. Young me absolutely loved it. This evening, I would love to talk to you about hope. Through Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and his ascension into heaven, we have a hope that is unlike anything else, unlike any hope that we may be used to on this earth. Anything we've hoped in, whether it is something we want, someone we believe in, something we are excited for. The hope we have in Jesus is unlike any of these things. It does not fade over time, it does not let us down, and it does not disappoint. The Lego set that I received may have seemed like the best thing in the world to me at the time, but it was only a few weeks before I had discovered something even more exciting seemingly, and had started hoping for that instead. If you support a sports team, even the most successful team in the world, there will be times when your hope in them is let down. When they are unable to deliver on that hope that you've hoped in. I'm not going to make any comments about this particular team, mainly because I know very little about sport and I really don't want to. All the things that we put our hope in will ultimately let us down or leave their relevance behind. But the hope we have through Jesus' death his resurrection and his ascension is unlike any of these things. And I'd love to explore some of the reasons for this hope. So firstly, we have hope because Jesus' resurrection proves the success of his death on the cross. Jesus dying was incredible. And as I understand, we looked at it last week before I read the ride. But even if not, hopefully you have even just a borderline understanding of the death of Jesus. God becomes human. And not only does he choose to live amongst us and get to know us and experience everything that we experience, but he goes one step further and he dies on our behalf, taking the penalty of everything we deserve, everything that should be coming our way onto himself. And in doing that, he defeats sin and the consequences of everything we get wrong, everything we mess up. And the way is open for us to come to him and know his love. That is incredible. But if Jesus had died and all that was true, and then he hadn't come back to life, it would have rung a little bit hollow. But actually, Jesus' resurrection, it doesn't make those things true. Those things are already true. But it seals them and guarantees them and proves them. It proves the truth of them. In 1 Corinthians 15, which we heard Rebecca read from today, Slightly later in the passage, Paul says, 
If Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. What a bold claim. Imagine the first thing I'd say when I go up here is, if such and such, then my preaching is useless and all of your faith is useless too. There's not many things you can make that claim about, but the resurrection is one of those things. If Christ has not been raised, it's all for nothing. Our faith, Christianity, stands or falls on the truth or the falsity of the resurrection. Lots of people die. Every single one of us will probably die unless Jesus comes back sooner. Every now and then there's some anomalies to this. We see Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, but then Lazarus would have died again. Further back in the Bible, we see that some people like Elijah, they seem to go straight to heaven without dying, which is pretty impressive. But Jesus is the only one who dies, passes through death, comes out the other side, and then doesn't die again. He not only, he not only dies and was raised, but he rises to life and defeats death in the process. The resurrection is the proof of the crucifixion. It reveals it for what it really is. And I was thinking about how to, how to describe this or how we can say how they connect. And again, this will probably just uh, reveal more about myself. But since growing up, one of the things I also love is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And for any of you who have seen Avengers Endgame, the culmination of so many of those films, there was a point where all hope has been lost. Half of all everybody alive ever, or currently alive, has been killed or just wiped out even. And the heroes have gone and undergone an incredible journey to try and reverse that effect. And the moment comes when they, they get the, the gadget, the thingamajig, the doodad. They snap their fingers. That's a terrible snap. They snap their fingers. And suddenly everything is reversed. But there's a weird point when they're like, we did it. We think we did it. But did, is it is it actually happened? Is it true? Because it worked. And there's this incredibly touching moment when one of the heroes, his wife, who had, was disintegrated along with half of humanity, phones him. And he stood there staring at his phone screen as he receives this call for someone who has been gone for five years. And it is in that moment that he picks up that phone and hears her voice that the truth of what has just happened is made known. They'd already brought everybody back. But it is in that moment, as he engages and as he answers the phone and hears her voice, that the truth of that reality is made known. And they know that they've won, or at least they will have done in an hour's time at the end of the film. But anyway. So, if the cross is God's no against us in judgment on our sin, so everything we've done, if the cross is God saying no to all of that, but instead of coming onto us, it goes onto Jesus and he endures it for our sake. If the cross is God's no to everything that we were, the resurrection is God's yes to us in the affirmation of Jesus. As Jesus is raised, God stops saying no to all the things that we think define us, all the ways we mess up, and God starts saying yes to all the things that now define us. Jesus defeated not just sin in dying on the cross, but death in rising back to life. He didn't stay dead. And what does that mean for us? Well, it means that when we die, it's not the end. When we die, we will be with Jesus through the resurrection. Because it's not just him that gets raised. He is but like, he is like uh, just a glimpse of what is to come. He 
he is the example that all of us will follow. And so actually every single one of us will be raised just as Jesus was back to life when we die. What an amazing hope. And that is not to downplay suffering. That is not to downplay death. Those things remain painful. And those things remain incredibly real. Jesus does not wipe away that pain right now. He doesn't say, oh, you can forget about, don't need to cry. It's okay. No, he doesn't say that. But actually we have a hope that goes beyond those things. And the result of that is that actually the hope we have in Jesus isn't just for the future, some far-off thing that we may never obtain, or maybe it's coming one day. It's something that affects us right now. 1 Corinthians 15, a little bit later, again, verse 19. If only for this, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If it's just hope for right now, then actually that's meaningless. If it's just hope that actually... Jesus died for us, and now we can be a little bit closer to God and live a little bit of a better life and have some happiness. That's meaningless. It's the now and the not yet. It's the now and the future. Secondly, we have hope because Jesus' resurrection shows us how the story will end. The resurrection shows us, it doesn't just leave us hoping, it shows us that God will ultimately triumph. That creation will not be discarded, we will not be thrown away, but we will ultimately be renewed, restored, and reaffirmed. God isn't leaving any part of us behind. Imagine if you are, let me say imagine. Uh, I don't know what it's like for you when you read a book. Uh, for some people, when they read a book, especially a novel, they like to skip right to the end first, especially if it's like a whodun, I'm seeing some pointing going on. They like to read like the last chapter or the last few pages, see if the ending's any good or how it ends. And then if they like that, they'll read the rest of it. My mum is a prime example of this. It drives me out the wall. Like, how can you enjoy it? Anyway, that's getting off topic. That is exactly what happens here. We get to see the ending of history before we get there. We get to see the ending of our story, of the story that God catches us up in. We get to see how it concludes. And God encourages us. It's not like it's a secret that we need to like peek at. God says, no, here it is. How incredible that we get to know how it all ends. And God says, now, great, you know what's coming. Now live to that point. Now go and get there. But not in your own strength, because I'm going to make it all work. Paul says in Romans uh, 6, if we have been united with him in death like this, and we have been united with him, because through baptism and through Jesus' death on the cross, we die with him and we come back to life with him. If we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. The resurrection, just like Jesus' death on the cross, is proof of what will happen to us. We get saved through it. We don't just get saved from sin, we get saved from death. We can see the ending. And not just us, but all of creation. Uh, another analogy would be uh, when you buy a jigsaw puzzle. Any of you into jigsaw puzzles? No? No, nobody here is into jigsaw Some people, maybe at Christmas. Maybe you get it out after the, uh, after the mulled wine. <laughs> anyway, I love a good jigsaw puzzle. And if you have a jigsaw puzzle, there is typically, unless it's a particularly nasty jigsaw puzzle, a picture on the lid of a box showing you what you are building, showing you what you are making. In exactly the same way, we have a picture of what it is we are building towards. It means that we can start piecing together our lives now as we follow Jesus. 
because we know what the finished product is. Not only that, we have a guide of how everything fits together, how it all ends. It might be a bit messy along the way. We'll probably start with the corners and try and work it out from there. But actually, we know how it finishes. It's amazing. Finally, we have hope because Jesus' ascension guarantees our future and our salvation. When Jesus had come back from the dead, he spent some time, um, as Becca read to us, meeting with his disciples, with his friends, with those who followed him. And then he rose up to heaven. Not in a sense of he flew up in the sky, but one minute he was there and the next minute he wasn't. He went back to be with God, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. Well, and in a physical sense, we'll get to that. The ascension couldn't happen without the resurrection. Jesus didn't die, appear as a ghost, then disappear into heaven. He came back fully physically and more. It wasn't that he, because he could walk through walls, it wasn't that he was less than physical. It was he was more than physical, and he was more physical than everything else around him. I quite like seeing it that way. And then he went to heaven in the same manner. When he went up to heaven, he took his body with him. His spirit didn't go up, and then his body crumpled and got left behind. And in doing this, the ascension is proof that Jesus is forever committed to his humanity. He doesn't just come down, born as a human, great, lived as a human, died, came back to life, and then leave it behind and go back to just being God. No, Jesus is forever committed to being fully God and fully human. He doesn't leave his humanity behind. Jesus is forever human, and therefore God is forever accessible to us. Because our humanity is already in heaven. It's already there acting as a guarantee. God has given it the most power he possibly could. It's not that we're stuck down here on earth while God is being God up in heaven. No, God took us with him. He took what defines us, our humanity, with him. And that is now in heaven with him. And so that, that way is forever open to us. It can't not be because we're already there. We shall never lose our access to God because of the incarnation and because of the ascension. And finally, finally, we have a hope in Jesus we have hope because Jesus' ascension announces the arrival of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at this in more detail next week, and you get to read to Juliet, uh, my wife, who is absolutely wonderful and will speak to you far better than I ever could have done. But God in Jesus going up to heaven made way for God, the Holy Spirit, to come down and be with us. And as I said, I won't get into that, but there is incredible power, not just about a God who chooses to walk among us as a person, but who chooses to make himself personally available to each and every single one of us in a way that one person never could. Wherever we are, whatever we are doing, we can know that we have God living inside us, ever present, responding to us, communicating with us, guiding us, even better than just Jesus being here. So how do we respond to this? Well, I think that our um, vision statement is a great place to start. Love, live, go. Love. The ascension makes God's love permanently accessible to us. As I said, there is a piece of our humanity already in heaven with God. That cannot be undone. God's love is forever available to us. Live. Going back to that analogy of the jigsaw. We have an idea of how it finishes, of what the final product is. How are we going to live our life in a way that moves in that direction to God's fully redeemed world? And finally, go. 
gospel, before Jesus went up to heaven, he gave us the great commission. Go and make disciples of all peoples, baptizing them and proclaiming my name. And surely I'm with you to the end of the age. I should have written that down, shouldn't I? <laughs> Jim will tell you it properly when he comes up. But it's not just the great commission, it's also the great equipping. Because Jesus tells us what our mission is, and then he goes and the Holy Spirit arrives at Pentecost. And we are equipped to carry that out, not in our power, but in God's power. Each of us will be in a different place tonight. Maybe my sermon has left you in a place of being asleep. And if that is the case, I am sorry. <laughs> but each of us will be in a different place in terms of that live, so love, live, go. Maybe tonight you need to know that the love of God is here for you and that God loves you more than anything else. This is a space for you tonight to meet with God and receive a fresh knowledge of that love. Or maybe to receive it for the first time if some of this is new for you. If that is the case, we would love to pray for you or pray with you. Maybe the response for you this evening is around how you're living your life. Is the way you're living moving in the direction of that completed jigsaw of what things will be like when Jesus returns and we are fully redeemed and pain and death and suffering are gone? Again, we would love to pray with you if that's what you're working through with God right now. Or maybe it's about how you go out from this place in the power of the Spirit, how you let that hope define not just who you are as a person, how you live your life, but how you interact with others around you. If that hope is truly the hope that is greater than all other hopes, how can we not share it? How can we not want to make it known? Maybe that's the business that you need to do with God tonight. And again, if that is the case, we would love to pray for you. Uh, Jim and Beth are going to come up and lead us um, in some ministry. Jim, do you want me to go through the words, or have you got those? Brilliant. As we were praying before the service, there were a few words that uh, came to us that we feel God is saying. I say words. Senses of what God is wanting to do tonight. Firstly, there was a picture of a cracked windscreen. And the sense that actually, instead of being pulled out and the mess being made, it was gently removed and replaced with a new one. And the sense was that actually it is safe to let God into our brokenness. He does not come in and make a mess. He comes in and gently, lovingly responds, taking care around the parts that hurt us the most. Secondly, there was something around honesty before God. And actually the liberating nature of being truly honest with God. That actually being honest with God, while it may seem scary, while it may feel we have parts that we have to hold back, parts of ourselves that really nobody else should see that actually with God there is no judgment there is no pain that when we are honest with God it is just purely liberating because we are suddenly free and the one who loves us the most is able to come in and work in what we are honest with there was the word captivated in the sense that there are people here tonight who want to be captivated by God's love again for actually, the, it is the thing that defines you. It is the biggest hope that you have. There's nothing that can surpass it. And that it would be your everything. Maybe that's you tonight. And finally, uh, what Jim was saying early in the service, that God is good. Maybe what you need to know tonight, actually, is just that God is good. Maybe that's the thing that is defining where you are at with God right now. You need to know that goodness. So if any of those things... If anything else I have said, or anything that nobody has said, but God is doing in you, is working, is, is relevant to you right now. If God is working in you, we would love to pray with you. 
Maybe you just want to stay in your seat and respond as we worship. But if you would like to come forward, we would love to pray with you. It can be as simple as us just laying a hand on your shoulder and saying, come Holy Spirit. You don't need to tell us anything. You don't need to ask us for anything. We would love to bless you as God works in you. So, over to Ben. But please do come forward as you feel led. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Um, We're just aware there's, like, oh, where where do I need to stand? Um, That's no better. Good. Um, just aware there's, there's loads of things there, uh, lots of um, things that God's, God's been saying. And um, I, just, I just was aware that there's lots of stuff like maybe for our heads, lots of head knowledge. And perhaps just let's just spend some time just in quiet, just allowing that to kind of go to our hearts, like allowing the spirit just to stir in us what, what it is that he's saying to us this evening. Because, um, yeah, there's lots of stuff. So we're just going to spend, um, perhaps if you just stand um, as kind of a posture that you're, um, you're here, you're ready, you're open to receive to, from God. Maybe you want to um, put your hands out in front of you as well. And we're just going to spend some time in quiet, just waiting and just allow the Spirit just to speak to you. What is it that he's saying to you this evening? So I'll just pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you come and would you fill each of us now?